Section 29 of Mysteries of London, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Mysteries of London, Volume 4 by George W. M. Reynolds. The Money Lender. Mrs. and Miss Fitzharding were attired in the plainest possible manner, so that they seemed to be some poor tradesman's wife and daughter. But the moment the light of the candle fell on Perdita's countenance, Mr. Percival literally started as the glorious beauty of that face was revealed to him. The young woman perceived the effect of her charms on the old lawyer, and a smile of triumph played on her haughty lip, for she said within herself, Wherever I go, men pay homage to my loveliness. Hastily closing the front door, Percival now conducted his two visitresses into the back parlour, which was far more commodiously furnished than the one where his interview with Torrance had taken place. The shutters of this room were, however, as strongly protected by iron bars, and as well secured as those in the other and Mr. Percival had multiplied in them the number of holes cut in the shape of a heart, in order that he might be enabled to fire his blunderbuss at a moment's warning, and in almost any direction, through the shutters, in case of an attempt on the part of burglars to effect an entry in the rear of the building. For it was perfectly true, as he had informed Torrance, that he lived alone in the house, but he was reported to be a miser, and such indeed he was. Having been extravagant and profligate in his earlier years, he had fallen into the opposite extreme, and when he absconded from his creditors, the money which he had taken with him he hoarded carefully. For a long time he had remained concealed in a distant town, placing out his funds in small loans at an enormous interest, so that as his wealth augmented, his parsimonious habits increased at last become greedy and griping as any miser whose renown has been preserved in tale-book or history percival as we shall continue to call him resolved on venturing to london where the field for his cupidity was more ample than in the provinces trusting to the alteration that years had made in his personal appearance and to the disguise of the name which he had assumed he settled in the secluded neighbourhood and comparatively lonely house where we now find him, and, without seeking business obtrusively, he soon found plenty. One person, whom he obliged with a loan, would give his address to another also requiring assistance, and thus his clients or patrons, whichever the reader may choose to call the borrowers, increased. He was almost constantly at home, formed no acquaintances, and was short and pithy in his mode of transacting business. He never advanced money save when he perceived the security to be ample. And if occasionally he made a bad debt, he employed an attorney who asked no impertinent questions to sue the defaulter in his own name, it being alleged that the unpaid bill had been passed in a legitimate manner to the pettifogger aforesaid. An elderly widow of the name of Dyer occupied the house next door and she acted in the capacity of charwoman for mr percival keeping his dwelling in order 
and preparing for him his frugal meals. Having recorded these few necessary particulars, we shall now return to the little back parlour, where Mr. Percival and his two visitresses were seated. His back was turned to the window, but Mrs. Fitzharding and Perdita, who sat opposite to him, faced it, while the candle stood on the mantel, so that had any one peeped through the heart-holes in the shutters, the countenances of the women must have been plainly visible to such curious observer outside the casement. "'Your daughter, madam, I presume?' said Mr. Percival, with a polite inclination of the head towards the handsome Perdita. "'Yes, my dear sir,' was the reply, "'and she is about to form an excellent match with a young gentleman who is indeed a nobleman by right, and who will shortly assert his title to that distinction. He wishes to borrow money for his immediate purposes, and also to assist me. Hence my visit to you this evening. Well, well, my dear madam, said Percival, if the security be good. The security is ample, returned Mrs. Fitzharding. He is indubitably the heir to vast estates, and his bond will be quite sufficient, added Percival, that is, presuming him to be of age. He is twenty-five years old, said Mrs. Fitzharding. But the history of himself and family is most extraordinary, and his father is not altogether unknown to you. For if I remember aright, it was you who prosecuted the celebrated highwayman, Thomas Rainford, for the robbery of the late Sir Christopher Blunt. What earthly connection can exist between Tom Rain and the young nobleman who wants to borrow money? demanded Percival, with unfeigned astonishment. Grant me your patience, my dear sir, said Mrs. Fitzharding and I will explain the matter as concisely as possible. Thomas Rainford was in reality the son of the late Earl of Ellingham, the eldest son, and legitimately born, of that nobleman, who privately married a certain Octavia Manners. The individual who at present bears the title and enjoys the estates of the Earldom of Ellingham is the offspring of a second marriage contracted by his father. He and Rainford are consequently half-brothers. All these facts are proven by certain papers now in the possession of myself and daughter. One of the documents is the marriage certificate of the late Earl with Octavia Manners. Another, the baptismal certificate of their son. A third, the journal of Octavia Manners, explaining many matters connected with the whole affair and then follows a variety of documents establishing the identity of Thomas Rainford with the son of the late Earl and the Countess Octavia. Thus far, the rights of Thomas Rainford are clearly made out. I must now inform you that Rainford and Lady Georgiana Hatfield have long been united in matrimonial bonds, and that the husband has for a considerable time adapted his wife's name. The offspring of this alliance is the young gentleman of whom I have already spoken to you, and who at present bears the denomination of Charles Hatfield. Now, his father being the rightful Earl of Ellingham, this Charles Hatfield is actually the Viscount Marston, and heir to the title and estates of the earldom. 
Your history, my dear madam, is clear and comprehensive enough, said Percival, already calculating the enormous gains which might be derived from the fact of becoming the banker to a young nobleman having a vast fortune in the perspective, and whom he supposed to be as extravagantly inclined as youthful scions of the aristocracy in such cases generally are. And you possess the proofs of all the singular facts which you have detailed? The proofs, the positive proofs, replied Mrs. Fitzharding emphatically. And turning towards her daughter, she said, Show Mr. Percival the papers. It is useless, answered Perdita in a firm but quiet manner, unless he first agree to advance a certain sum of money, should they be satisfactory. True, said her mother, biting her lip at the thought that her daughter was more keen than herself. Then, addressing herself to the miser, she observed, You heard the remark that fell from the lips of Miss Fitzharding? Yes, yes, returned Mr. Percival. We shall most likely do business together, most likely, he repeated. At the same time, I must see my way very clearly. And we must be careful not to reveal unnecessarily any more of the important secrets of which we are the depositories, said Perdita. Quite right, young lady, exclaimed the miser, who experienced no slight degree of embarrassment, for he was afraid, on the one hand, of letting a good chance slip through his fingers, and he was fearful, on the other, of admitting that he had ample resources immediately available. Not that Percival dreaded, on the part of Mrs. Fitzharding, the same attempt at extortion, or rather, of obtaining restitution, which had been made by Mr. Torrance, because he knew full well that she was occupying a false position in the world, and living under an assumed name, as well as himself, and, should she take it into her head to threaten him with an exposure of being no other than Howard, the runaway attorney, he could in a moment retaliate by proclaiming her to be Mrs. Slingsby, or Mrs. Torrance, the woman who had been transported for forgery. No, Mr. Percival dreaded not menace on the part of Mrs. Fitzharding, but the naturally suspicious disposition of the miser, and the vague fears that ever haunt the avaricious man when questioned as to the amount and whereabouts of his resources. These were the influences which made Percival hesitate to plunge too precipitately into the transaction now submitted for his consideration. "'Well, sir, are you prepared to negotiate with us or not?' demanded Perdita, after a short pause, during which the miser fidgeted nervously upon his chair. It all depends, miss. It all depends on the amount your noble friend requires, he answered at length. The entire business is left in our hands, said Mrs. Fitzharding, and we wish to raise between five and six thousand pounds in the first instance, of which one thousand must be paid tonight, added Perdita, as an earnest that the transaction is seriously entered into. A thousand pounds to-night? cried the miser. But how is that possible, even if I had the money in the house? he asked, looking anxiously around, and sinking his voice to a low whisper. 
how is it possible i say since the young nobleman is not here to give me any acknowledgment this objection was naturally anticipated by us replied perdita viscount marston instead of sending us the papers this evening did us the honour to call personally with them and his lordship confided to me and to me alone added perdita with a rapid glance of triumphant meaning at her mother his note of hand for one thousand guineas i must congratulate you my dear madam exclaimed percival addressing himself with a smile to the old woman i must congratulate you on possessing a daughter of the most business-like character in the person of miss fitzharding then pray let us transact our present affairs in a business-like manner said perdita who was rapidly putting herself more forward in the matter and proportionately throwing her mother into the background so that the old woman more than once bit her lip to restrain her rising collar but remembering the terrific scene of the morning she saw no alternative save to allow her daughter to have her own way trusting however to the chapter of accidents to restore to her in the long run that paramount influence which she had lost you wish me to discount at once that note of hand for a thousand guineas said the miser fixing his eyes admiringly on perdita's splendid countenance yes as an earnest that you are not prompted by mere curiosity to look farther into this most extraordinary mysterious and yet easily understood affair replied perdita i will accede to your terms miss fitzharding said percival after a few minutes deliberation provided that the documents in your possession bear out your mother's statements place the money on the table sir returned the young woman in her quiet though somewhat imperious manner and these papers she added producing a sealed packet at the same time shall be submitted to your perusal good cried the miser he then rose from his seat and having once more cast a furtive look around him as if it were possible for an intruder to secrete himself in a room fourteen feet by ten and which the three inmates already nearly filled he proceeded to open an iron safe that was fitted into a kind of cupboard in one corner thence he took forth a tin cash-box which when opened revealed heaps of bank-notes and a large amount of gold there ladies said he i have now convinced you of my ability to proceed farther in this transaction and it is your turn miss he added looking at perdita to take the next step granted was the reply and opening the packet she handed the several papers which were properly classed and numbered one by one to the miser receiving back each before she gave him the next following mr percival read the documents without much emotion his pecuniary avocations had blunted the sentiment of curiosity in his soul he viewed the matter only in a business light and so long as the security was good he cared not if all the highwaymen in the world should turn out to be noblemen in their own right he thought of the profits that might arise from ministering to the extravagances as he supposed 
of a young nobleman having excellent certainties in the perspective and it was not of the slightest importance to him how mrs fitzharding and perdita had contrived to inveigle him into their meshes how they had gotten possession of the papers or how the money raised was to be expended this is completely satisfactory as far as it goes he said returning to the young woman the last paper which she had placed in his hand the documents show that rainford is the real earl of ellingham but there is no evidence to prove that your charles hatfield is his son we are well convinced of that fact said mrs fitzharding yes i suppose it may be admitted observed percival who had not the least idea that charles hatfield had ever passed and was still passing as the nephew of those who were really his parents but there is still one question which must be fully cleared up and this is the legitimacy of the young man's birth if he be the lawfully begotten son of the rightful owner of the title and estates of the earldom then is he the heir beyond all possibility of doubt but if he be illegitimate the idea is absurd interrupted mrs fitzharding there can be no hesitation in declaring that thomas rainford and lady georgiana had been privately married long before the man himself was condemned to death else wherefore should she have exerted her interest to obtain a pardon for him at the hand of george the fourth i remember the transaction said percival and i have no moral doubt that all you tell me is perfectly correct indeed i am so well assured of it that i have not the least objection to discount the note of hand on condition that the defective evidence be supplied me before i am called upon to make further advances most certainly exclaimed perdita charles will give you every satisfactory proof of the validity of his claims you require testimony to show that he is the lawfully begotten son of those who now pass under the name of mr and lady georgiana hatfield the certificates of their marriage and his birth said the miser where is the note of hand perdita produced it and a little altercation then arose respecting the rate of discount mrs fitzharding manifested a greedy anxiety to conclude the bargain on the miser's own exorbitant terms but perdita argued the point with him in a resolute manner at last however an amicable understanding was arrived at and the miser was permitted to deduct seventy-five pounds for the discount perdita received the amount which he then told down upon the table and the old woman's features grew distorted with rage a rage the more intense because she was forced to restrain it when she found that her daughter did not offer to render her the guardian of the purse but perdita had that day asserted an empire which she was resolved to maintain a domination which she was determined to grasp indivisibly without positively offending or irritating her mother by pointed and overt insult she nevertheless had made up her mind to act as the mistress in all things and thus had the punishment of the vile old woman already begun even on account of the new schemes of wickedness which she had set on foot having secured the precious packet of papers 
and the money about her person the beautiful perdita rose from her chair saying we may now take our departure mother one word first exclaimed percival a sudden reminiscence striking him then turning towards mrs fitzharding he said my dear madam i have some news to impart which i had almost forgotten in the absorbing nature of the business that has occupied us for the last hour news which will not a little astonish you then pray keep me no longer in suspense exclaimed mrs fitzharding perdita's conduct not having put her into the best of possible humours just before you knocked at the door this night well well ejaculated the impatient woman a man was with me and that man repeated mrs fitzharding gasping for breath as if she anticipated the reply was your husband added the miser a hideous expression passed over the countenance of mrs fitzharding an expression of mingled hate apprehension and rage and she staggered for a moment as if she were about to fall but subduing her emotions she approached the miser and said in a low hoarse grating tone does he know that i am in london is he aware that i am in england passing by the name of fitzharding no no replied percival hastily for he saw by the old woman's manner that she would not thank him were he to inform her that he had made her husband acquainted with so many particulars concerning her you are sure you are certain demanded she breathing somewhat more freely since mr percival has already answered you satisfactorily mother wherefore require additional assurances said perdita who was in haste to depart for it was now waxing very late because i would sooner meet one of those hideous snakes that i have seen in australia than encounter that man responded the old woman i know not why but i hate him i loathe and abhor him come along mother interrupted perdita impatiently mr percival cares nothing about all this true but one word more cried mrs fitzharding tell me sir is that man my husband and the words appeared almost to choke her is he well off or poor and wretched he seemed to be very miserable answered the miser so miserable that he wished to obtain assistance from me but i i never give he added after a moment's hesitation i believe you sir remarked perdita a faint smile of contempt curling her haughty but beauteous lip now mother at last you are ready i presume allow me to light you to the door said percival and with a bow he preceded the two females into the passage he opened the front door and perdita wishing him good night bounded forth first into the open air for she felt relieved at escaping from the miser's cheerless abode her mother followed more slowly and just as she passed by percival who stood on the threshold officiously holding the candle the light streamed fully on the countenance of the old woman 
At that same instant, Mrs. Dyer, the widow who lived at the next house, was returning home from a neighbour's, and she caught a complete view of the face of Mrs. Fitzharding. It struck the good woman at the moment that she had seldom beheld such a repulsive, sinister countenance. But she was accustomed to see strange-looking people visit the miser's abode, and the circumstance therefore made no particular impression on her mind. She merely said, "'Good night, sir,' to the miser, and forthwith entered her own abode. Percival's door closed at the same instant, and Mrs. Fitzharding, having overtaken her daughter, the two retraced their way to the city road, whence they took a cab to Suffolk Street. End of section 29